Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. It's a Thursday night. We got a real cool guest on our Zoom hanging out through a big screen. I like this. Only people that have been to this office and been into the studio realize that my monitor, my computer monitor, it's enormous. Is like honestly, it's like a 42 inch television screen. It's like that big. It's it, and when I bought it, I bought it off of some guy that sold it to me for I think 50 bucks, 80 bucks. I can't remember what it what it was. And I thought I was going to pick up like a normal size monitor. I get there. Yeah, you know what? It's actually the screen is very similar to our TV screen in here. It's, it's the same size of that TV. And that TV that's a 40. That's a four, no, that's a 40 inch. So Tracy, our our guest that we were talking to over Zoom has no idea, but like I'm almost seeing you in life size. <laughs> we can see clear into your brain through your nose. <laughs> well, that's not going to make her uncomfortable at all. Oh, I've worked all day. I'm feeling like a little disheveled and just, you know. If it makes you feel any better, I also just walked out of treatment like 15 minutes ago. So I'm yeah. actually still sweating a little bit. I put the space heater on because it was a little cold in there. But I mean, that made her comfortable. I am sweating. If it makes you guys feel any mm. any worse. I did nothing physical today. I think I've been in this one fucking chair since, <laughs> since I don't know, like 9.30 this morning. Yeah. I really haven't moved all that much other than take uh, take a piss every once in a while. Yeah, you haven't done much no, today. No, but no, you've no, done no. a lot. I've but, done a lot. But not much. But I haven't physically done much of anything. <laughs> it's actually really funny. Well, now here we are at almost 8 p.m. Uh, and uh, hey, everyone, it's Amanda. And I am drinking a late night coffee because we've done a lot of things today. Um, and now we are... Are recording with Tracy, who, as we said, is on Zoom with us. Tracy's a registered massage therapist and certified equine therapist. And uh, just recently, we had somebody else on our podcast that worked with horses. And um, we sort of set this up with you and her around the same time. We went on a kick of I like, to animal that people. Yeah. But see, she doesn't yeah. really work on the animals anymore. So we're like, let's keep Tracy, no. too, because Tracy works <laughs> on some animals, right? Yeah, that, that episode yeah. went places that I wasn't expecting it to go. Yeah. I was not expecting. I it. love it when a podcast goes somewhere where we have no idea where how we even ended up where we ended up. But do you want to do you want to do the recap on how you're on the other side of my 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 big fucking TV monitor? Or do you me? want me to do? Yeah, uh, let's hear your perspective. I want to hear your version of the story. You guys posted a picture of your TMJ workshop or whatever. And I was scrolling through and I thought, oh my God, all those people <laughs> look unconscious. <laughs> they really did. And when you're supporting someone's airway, you, you do this like maneuver and everybody had somebody doing that to them. And I looked at it because I follow a lot of EMS type pages as well. And I stopped. And I was like, what the hell are they doing? And then I realized it was TMJ. And I was like, you got to know these people like dead, <laughs> like legit dead. And so then I messaged back. I'm like, so wait a minute. Are, are, are you are you still doing like paramedic stuff? Because if so, like, I want to know all of that. And you're like, no, that oh was a God. lifetime ago. But I do work yeah. on horses. I'm like, oh, cool. It's even better. Let's do that too. So right on. And here we are. So Tracy, before, we, we, are. before we jump into whatever we're going to talk about tonight. Um, can you give a little bit of a backstory on you? So we now know that you're a retired paramedic, but maybe give us a, a path, how you got into becoming a paramedic, what made you make a career change, and how you ended up in massage therapy and massaging horses, and I guess what you're doing now. Okay. Um, so I was a lifeguard in high school. And, you know, in the late 90s, you just graduate high school and then you just go to college and then you can just go to work, right? There's that's just what you do. So I had no idea what to do after high school. 
And so I thought, well, I'll take the paramedic program. At that time, it was 97. um, And it was a year. So I took it. And I remember graduating thinking, this isn't really for me. But I got a job right away. And in my hometown, and I was 20 years old, and it paid really, really, really well. How long is that program? Uh, Then it was a year. Now it's two years, I think. Why was it not for you when you're like, this is not for me? What about it wasn't for you? Um, I just, I don't know. Just the emergency aspect of it. I think like the unknown and the uh, just never knowing what you're getting into and having like it's like, it's, it's a lot of responsibility. <laughs> and I remember feeling like I'm 20 and I'm not old enough to like do CPR on people and You're shit, legitimately, but I'm here I am You legitimately have people's lives in your hands every yeah. day and you have no idea what you're yeah. going to walk into, like you said, yes. and you're 20. Like, that is that's a, fucking terrifying. I'm 46 and that's a stress I never want to have <laughs> ever, ever. No, ever. you would definitely not be a good paramedic, man. No. When our kids like ever get sick, Mark just literally looks like he wants to crawl into a corner and like curl up and, <laughs> and cry. Like no, he's like, I, I don't know what to do here. I, I, yeah. I, I don't do. And even lifeguarding, like it's, it, this is as close as I'm getting to lifeguarding. Mitch Buchanan. That's as, <laughs> that's as close as I'm going. That's as close as I'm going. It's little... not real lifeguarding. Really? Not, it's not? You not sure? Real uh, I yeah, always no. see. I'm Look what TV does sure. to me. No, no. Nobody runs. Don't ask yeah, a yeah. off. Nobody <laughs> runs. Nobody <laughs> runs. Nobody runs. Especially in slow motion. David, Hasselhoff that was on to fucking happen. something, though. He was on to fucking something right yeah. there. I mean, yeah. they looked pretty buoyant. Hey, and, anyway. they, and, and, <laughs> and then they made Baywatch Nights, too. That was a spinoff from Baywatch. Ew, so bad. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> we'll do a whole show so on bad. Bad, bad, bad TV yeah. at some point. Yeah. All right, let me, I'll, yeah. I'll stop talking. So, yeah, like I, I, went, I went to work and... Um, because I really didn't know what to do. And I remember my, my family said, like, just, just go to work until you figure it out. And I was making really good money and legit had no idea what I was doing. I mean, like I did on paper, know what I was doing. I had the qualifications. I got the job. I wasn't like legit killing people, but, um, I was 20 and I was rolling up to accidents. And I think I probably looked like I was about 15. So I, I started making really good money. That's bought dangerous. A house. That's dangerous. When you're 20 and you make really good money, that is danger mm, territory. It is. Yeah. And um, I, you know, I bought a house, I was making good money and flash forward 18 years. And I was like, I got to get out. Ooh. You lasted 18 years as a paramedic with that level I of mean, imposter syndrome. <laughs> Like you just told me, you legit didn't know what you were doing. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure after year three, that tends to go away. Yeah. Um. I mean, like it had. It was up and down. Um. I spent some time, yeah, like doing some admin work, and um, I was on again, off again on some stress leaves, and it was probably it was 2006 where I had a psychological injury and had to go home because I was a catatonic situation. But I think like in retrospect, I could have avoided all of that if I had gotten out earlier. It wasn't for me. Um, But you know what? I was really, really, really good at it. After I grew up a bit, I was really good at the job because it was, it just, it was easy. Like, honestly, it you just pick people up and you take them to the hospital. Honest to God. Like that's legit what you're doing with like a few things in between, but like eventually you just get really good at it. And 
I wanted to get out for years, but there was nothing that I could step into with that sort of education level and make the same amount of money. There was like legitimately nothing. So I stayed into it and I got hurt and then I had to go home for a long time and I never went back. Is there a family, (laughs) is there a family vibe working as a, working as a paramedic? I feel like it's a very family vibe, brotherhood type of brotherhood, sisterhood type of thing. It can go either way. Honestly, like the people that I worked with, um, there was my partner. I worked with him for six years and he was one of the funniest humans I've ever met. And then two other people. So the four of us worked together like consistently for a long time. And the four of us were very, very, very close. And I couldn't imagine doing the work with, with other people because they legit were the ones that would get it. And they were there backing you up and so on and so forth. But there's also like some paramedic like pairings that is just like a toxic, hot dumpster fire that is just not fun to be around are there any dumpster fires that are fun to be around (laughs) they should make they should make a paramedic like one hour drama series i'm certain that has to exist. do they have i don't know i'm trying to think of do they actually have one there's tons with doctors there's tons with cops do they have a drama series yeah there is um chicago fire i think was one with the fire department and the paramedics but we wanted to start one And it was just about the crew room, like just about like what goes on when we're not handling patients, because that is where the funny shit happens. There you go. There you go. You get a room full of like psychologically injured people and the shit that happens, (laughs) it's really fun. Like that's the stuff you want on TV. I can't imagine. Because all the other stuff boring. Like, are you from a small town, Tracy? I like, I actually don't know where we're talking to you from. So you're from a small town. I'm in. I'm in Bracebridge. I'm up in Muskoka. Okay. So are you from a town where like majority of people kind of either know each other or they, you know, it's like you've got friends of friends. Like it's, would you get a lot of calls where you're ending up? You're like, I know you. You're ending up at people's houses that you either know or yeah. Okay. Yeah. All the time. Which was honestly like at the beginning, I didn't like you're you know when you're when you're young your roots aren't as deep right and the older you get and you have kids and shit you're, like your roots just get deeper and deeper and deeper mm-hmm. and near the end I was almost always going to somebody that there was at least a six degree of separation there was a handful of times near the end where I was like providing patient care to people that I knew yeah and that was just the end of it for me yeah yeah that would be rough does that feel really different than providing them care as a massage therapist you know what it it isn't it doesn't like. Providing patient care is providing patient care. It doesn't matter. Like you still have to talk to a patient in a certain way. And Mm -hmm. that way I I talk to my people now is the same way I talk to the not drunk people in my past career. You talk to drunk people a lot differently. Um, But, or the people with um, Alzheimer's and stuff, they're kind of fun as well because you can just kind of play around with them a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad laughing at that, but goddamn, that was funny. <laughs> um, but it was like, yeah, like, I mean, it's very, 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 very similar. You're just taking out the emergence portion mm. of the equation in massage therapy, which is the part I like the best. <laughs> Interesting. 18 years as a paramedic and you finally decide like I can't anymore because obviously something like majorly traumatic happened. It just had to be. Yeah, done. there was like something happened. And I mean, if you want to talk about that, that's like a whole nother 
day. Hey, that's that's up to you. If if you if you want to let us know what happened, what happened, tell me what happened. I had a a, a lot of bad calls in in the, a series of, of a couple of years, and one of them that started the um the the great fall of Tracy was getting called to um, one of our coworkers and he, it was just a multifaceted shit show. And he was found by his wife, didn't wake up in the morning. He was a paramedic. He was one of my mentors. He was the next door neighbor of my mom and stepdad. He was all of these things intertwined with me. And we got called to his house, which initially I thought was for my stepdad. So I was like, this is great. Um, so he died, but, um, he, I was there for his wife and it was just like a collective shit show, but that really started it for me because, um, the people that came to support me and my partner was our, um, you know, the other paramedics, it was never acknowledged by my management or the higher ups that it, that we were there and that we, it was, it was very like crap. Like it was very abrasive. You know, they were just kind of like, well, are you coming to work tomorrow? Uh, do you need to go home? Like it was very, um, it sucked. They just, our management team just didn't really have, didn't really seem to care at that time. And I was like, this is bullshit. I am working and putting myself in really sticky situations, 12 hours a day. And like nobody, people that are paying my paycheck don't even care. And that was tough because they're the ones that give you the the support, right? Like they're the ones that are going to be there to say like, you know, you should go home. You should take some time off. And it just was a big, it seemed like a big inconvenience for them. So that was like one nail in the coffin. And there was a series of other shitty shit that happened that summer. And the one that really, the one that did me in was, um, I was coming home from work actually, um, after a night shift and I happened upon a, um, motorcycle accident right in front of me. This was probably about like 6 30 AM. It was, there were just a motorcycle on the road with a person laying there. And, um, there was somebody standing there. And so I stopped and, um, the guy, I was still in my uniform on. Okay. So I'm like driving my like car, like my mom mobile, but I have my uniform on and, uh, I get out of the car and the guy looked at me and he, he said, Oh my God, I'm thank God you're here. And I was like, I legitimately have nothing to help this person. And, uh, so I went and, and, went up to the person and turned out it was somebody I knew. And it was somebody that I had a very, very, very complicated, not very positive relationship with. And it was somebody that I wished a lot of bad things on for a long time. And they died right there on the road in, you know, while I was standing there. So then I went home and I was like, you know what? I am fucking done. <laughs> I am like, no more. I mean, I was like a hot, like I was a hot mess for a long time. I had to, you know, work through PTSD and all that kind of bullshit, which is not super fun. And I decided that I wasn't going back. And uh, so then I decided I was going to do massage therapy. Can I ask you a question before we go into massage, Tracy? 
Do you think that there have been any changes? I mean, I've got a lot of family members, uh, family members who have, you know, served in armed forces, who have been paramedics. I have family members who have been um, first responders and, you know, firefighters, paramedic, police, whatever. And I seem to see a lot of stuff posted by these people um, talking about exactly what you're just talking about, how there doesn't seem to be any support for these people and for these first responders, it's almost like really glazed over the amount of shit they go through. And there seems to be a lot of humor amongst them as a group about how they're all just basically walking basket cases and all dealing with PTSD and Mm -hmm. nobody cares. Like, is this still the case now? Or do you think think that there's been any improvements? I don't think there's been an improvements. I think that, um, there was a lot of really good work that happened about about the time I went off, actually. Um, so this is going to like blow your mind. But before 2016, if anybody working on the front lines was diagnosed with PTSD, they had to prove that it happened through work. Okay. So what was happening? Paramedics and cops were killing themselves in Ontario in droves. It was a epidemic because what was happening is um, they were not being given WSIB because they, they had to prove that it was work-related. Okay. So you take like a guy, you know, most of the, the work cops and paramedics are mostly guys. They're not going to do that. They need to go to work and pay for their, you know, their mortgage and, and so on and so forth. And so they would just say, fuck it and just go to work. Um, a lot of like alcoholism, a lot of um, broken marriages, a lot of divorce, like just a lot of unhealthy humans. There's so in many, that there's so many parts when it comes to like disability as well. So I listen to a lot of talk radio. So there's a there's a section in, in one of the days when they have like a disability, like an employment lawyer come on. He talks about a whole bunch of stuff. And one of the reasons, like one of the things that I never n- knew why sometimes it's so hard for people to to, to get disability when they deserve disability is because when the when the when the insurance provider would call up like a medical doctor and then they're using language in the insurance industry which is different than medical language. So when they ask a medical doctor like is this person disabled, the medical doctor's like no, they're not, right? But meanwhile, when the right. insurance person is asking you if you're disabled, meaning are you presenting with anything that is going to affect your ability to perform your job, right? And so a medical doctor is yeah. going like our medical definition of disabled, that's what I'm answering on because you're not clarifying anything beyond that, beyond mm. the question. And meanwhile, the insurance dude is like, well, okay, because they mean something different. So that that's one piece of it that I thought yeah. was super interesting. And I can see how that might be a case here. Another thing is what I've realized with COVID is no one cares. Like COVID made me realize no one gives a shit about anybody at all. Like every person that is that is out there that is that is standing on their fucking high horse soapboxing about what you should do and what you shouldn't do. The minute you take their advice or you do what they say to do and something goes wrong and you need fucking help, they're the last people to ever come out to you. Right. No one fucking cares. Everyone's full yeah, of shit. Yeah. No one fucking Everyone cares. Everyone is full of shit. I mean, it's it is better now that they they changed the law so that if you are a first responder and you fall into these categories of first responders, so you're a paramedic, a firefighter, a, a um, police or corrections, um, and you have a diagnosis of PTSD, it is assumed mm. that you got it from work. 
prior to 2016, that was not a thing. These people had to go and and plead their cases and relive their trauma over and over and over again to get paid. It's really messed up. 2016 was like yesterday. Like it's that's crazy. that it is insane. And this is a group of people whose jobs it is to keep other people alive, to keep other people safe, to say like yeah. it is so ass backwards that there yeah. isn't more support or more care for first responders. It doesn't make any I sense. I can only imagine how hard that is to fucking try to find a way to have proof that like this is the this is caused through my workplace. Something like PTSD. Like this is not from previous to work. This is this is from I can imagine how difficult that is to fucking even go through it. So uh, just for like that. shits and giggles, during my when I when I went off, I went off at the, before the law got changed. So my claim happened right before the law got changed and my claim actually got denied. And, and my um, caseworker was an angel from WSIB, like who says angel and WSIB together, but honest to God, he was. And he said, the law is changing like next week. Just hang Hang tight. This is going to be different. But during that time, I had to write a list of all of the calls that I thought would contribute to my to my PTSD diagnosis. Mm. How fun is fucking that? No, no, no. Honestly, sometimes like it's ridiculous. Can you imagine? Logic does not exist. So I know this is not the same. But um, a year ago, uh, last October, I got in a car accident and it was a minor accident, but I did have um, concussion symptoms like almost instant. Like I had like an instant headache after the accident. So I've got whiplash. I've got a concussion. And because of COVID, when you go to the collision reporting center, only the person that was in the accident is allowed to go in. And there's no chairs anymore. There's no, so basically I had to stand for 45 minutes typing on a, (laughs) and staring at a screen while like my eyes are blurry. My head is pounding. My neck feels like my head is, and I was like, why is this happening? Like, why Why do I have to stand here and type? What what was I supposed to do? You see, this is what you do. You say, you say it in a very loud and annoying way. This is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> I was just in an accident. I have fucking whiplash. I probably have a concussion. And I'm sitting here staring at a screen trying to type. Can somebody come here and fucking help me? Yeah, not even a chair. I was like, why Why is this happening? So like really all of us. I'm sure I could have got a chair if I had if yell. yelled and made a scene. Made a, but I was just like, scene. I was literally, I had like tears coming down my cheek. I was like, I just want to get through all of this typing and get the fuck out of here. Like, I'm in pain. No one cares. No one cares. No one cares. We're, we are yeah. really the group of fucking optimists here. <laughs> no one cares. No one People cares. are shitty. You're on your own. Everybody sucks. And Everybody you're going sucks. To die. Oh, with that wonderful message, that changed. <laughs> So it's better now in, in, re, in that regard. I mean, if you're doing one of these jobs and you have a diagnosis of PTSD, you can go off and feel better and you don't have to relive all your trauma while you're trying to get a paycheck. So that that's honestly the only thing that's changed. Does working in that field change the way you view things like death for you? Uh, yes, because it's not like... I think part of people being afraid of death is that they just actually don't know what it looks like and what it smells like and like what the body does and like all the things. It's just like, it's just a matter of life. And I know what happens when you die and you know, the motions that people go through, it's, 
it doesn't like, it's not scary anymore. I mean, I think what's scarier is that, you know, somebody having a DNR and somebody doing CPR and somebody, I think that kind of stuff is scarier than actually just dying. <laughs> Dead people are just, they're just like really heavy and they're just like a lot of work and a lot of paperwork and just nobody wants to deal with dead people. I hear you. <laughs> I think honestly, it's made me like really jaded. I get it. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. Totally get it. I think most, I think most of the people in my life that I know that have like sort of twisted sense of humor are, are people who work these types of like, so for example, I have a friend who um, just started working as like a funeral director. Like her life is, death dead people and so yeah. she has no problem like joking about death. like she would have laughed when you're like dead people are really heavy and a lot of paperwork she would think that was fucking hilarious they are they are there's funny in everything as tragic as something might be there's always funny in everything that's why i love fucking comedians because it's your job to fucking recognize that there's funny there's in everything, and everything and then to be able to bring that out and say stuff which is why i hate all these fucking people that that are so sensitive especially when it comes to comedians yeah. that's one thing i'm like do not touch comedians this is not a cancel culture type of thing this is the one yeah, fucking the profession alone. we need them exactly this is the one fucking profession where that is their job is to just find the fucking funny in absolutely everything and comedians make fun of everybody yes. equally yes so it's okay yes <laughs> yes i imagine you have to have you have to it's impossible to be 100% serious in this job. It, or, or you'll, go, you'll go fucking nuts. You, ha you, you will go nuts. So now you've brought a whole new light to when I'm watching the action comedy cop duo. The oh my God, the, the now he thinks it's real. Because <laughs> now, now I'm like, you know what? Hey, you, lethal weapon, the way Murtaugh and Riggs and go back and forth with each other, it's got to be a sort of a real thing. Or the one-liners the, the, the yeah. one that the oh, first yeah. responders always yeah. say over like a dead body. Like yeah, it's, these it's like a, cheesy one line. It's a, it's a real because you have yeah. to, or else you, or I can't imagine that you can you can you can survive a freaking week of work if you can't find the 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 funny or the those moments. Oh no, we were like professionals at finding the funny, honest to god, and like we could just we could just find the funny, and and if the funny didn't happen on the call because it was intense or whatever, we would come back and the funny would happen back at the base right. and it would just be ridiculous. Like we would on Sunday night on Sundays, we would have to clean out the fridge in the crew room, which was like, just think of like a dorm room fridge, like yeah. a frat house fridge. Like that's what the fridge was like. And so on Sundays you had to clean it out. And we, my partner, we would always dare him to eat <laughs> questionable items in the fridge. Uh, and he would always do it. Always do it. <laughs> like without doubt. And so that's what it was. It was so fun. We'd be like, Rob, I think this is shrimp, but I don't know for sure. <laughs> Will you eat it? Fucking give it to me. And we're just like, eat it. <laughs> ah, that is awesome. <laughs> So awesome. He, that was like, I don't see him very often anymore. And I'm really sad about that, but he, that was his job. I would be like, <laughs> or we, we would be driving somewhere and uh, I'd be like, I'm having a really bad day. He, he's eating a slice of pizza, right? And on a paper plate. And uh, he's finished his 
he's finished his pizza and he's got the paper plate on his lap. And I was like, you need to pretend. <laughs> I'm like, you need to pretend that you're driving with that paper plate and you need to do it right now while we're driving down the main street of Brace Ridge. He'd be like, okay. <laughs> and so we take his paper plate and he's beside me and he pretend that it's a fucking steering wheel. <laughs> and that's because I just told him he had to do it. And I would laugh until I couldn't breathe all the way back to the station. And it was, everything was great. So we like, there was very <laughs> immature. Brooklyn Nine died over here. <laughs> they found, they found what works. They found their coping mechanism it. because like you said, you can't be serious all the time in a job like that. It would be torture. Brooklyn so, Nine over here. Is that the name of the show? I do like that show. <laughs> I'm so happy. I, I'm so happy because I would have never, I'm so happy we had this conversation because I would have never, I would have never thought of this. I would never have thought of this at all. Because I don't see paramedics that way. I see the job. Of course, it's very serious work and everything else. But I don't. Yeah, because when we've ever had interactions with paramedics, like they're serious. But I mean, they're doing their thing. I've never (laughs) thought. I've I've never thought of it as like, well, what are these two people like that are hanging out together all day in a shift, going to calls, and then not going to calls, and just being together day in, day out, day in, day out, day in, day out. And I think we're funny as fuck is what we are. (laughs) We wanted to like have, we wanted like a show. We're like, yeah, we need to have a show because people want to see this shit because it is funny. Mark would watch that show. You should make a show. It definitely would. It may have only been funny to us, but like it, it worked. And I miss that portion of the work because I never, ever laughed so hard as like at work, like laughing and he would sometimes, you know, we'd be on a call and be super serious and he would just say something like, he'd be like, well, paper plates are good for steering wheels. And he would just say that in the middle of a call. And I'd be like, you (laughs) shut up because now I'm like laughing again. Right. Like shit like that happened all the time. That's awesome. Or, um, he would say, uh, people that have like crazy eyes, like, what do you call people with crazy eyes? You must have a name for them. Oh, are you asking I, us? I, I don't have a name for something. Well, you're going to now. It's <laughs> called atrophoria. It's one eye looks at you, one eye looks for you. <laughs> so that was our medical term. Okay. So he would do a neuro exam, a neurological exam on somebody, and he'd look at me and he'd be like, "We've got a positive case of the atrophoria trace." And I'd be like, "And the patient's the patient's husband's like, what is that?" I'd be like, I need to leave now. <laughs> I love oh it. Oh my god, it. this is so. You good. know what I'm loving even more? Someone's gonna be listening to this and be like, "I can't listen to this anymore. I can't listen to this." <laughs> I don't care. I love it. We're all human. Tune man. out, Karen. It's tune just out. all fun. I love it. So how, how, Tracy? I have to know then. Like, I understand why you'd want to get out of that. Although it sounds like you had a fucking blast at work, but there was obviously a lot of yeah. a lot of negative too. Um, how yeah. do you decide massage therapy? Like, I understand there was nothing else in healthcare you could do that could make the money. Was it, was that it, that this was something you could do where you're sort of still working with patients and making money? Probably that and didn't have to go back to school for a very long time. And, and nobody's that dead. Be, that would be my guess. Yeah, there was a few things. And I spent a lot of time in therapy. Like, I'm pretty sure I put my therapist's daughter through vet school. I spent a lot of time with her figuring out like what to do. And, um, you know, I made a list and my list basically like took me to massage therapy 
uh, because it met all of the criteria of the things on my list. And in retrospect, uh, uh, when I was in the job for about four or five years as a paramedic, I thought about doing that. And I thought about leaving, but we had just bought a new house and I just couldn't figure out how I would go back to school with a new house and all this stuff. So I, I just didn't. Um, so basically I was like, I knew I wanted to stay in healthcare because I love healthcare. Like I love anatomy and physiology. Like I love that stuff. I knew I wanted to still be with patients and interact with patients, but I wanted something that I could be self-employed, make my own hours being self-employed was like a big thing, honestly. And and a lot of stuff in healthcare, you're kind of working somewhere, right? Mm-hmm, like, yeah. um, so I, I knew I wanted to do that. And and I wanted in a work environment that was the polar opposite of my previous work environment, minus like the fun times with my colleagues. I was like four in the morning in a snowbank in the middle of Highway 11. Like I've been in all of the things like you named the most fucked up situation that could happen in Muskoka. And I can guarantee you in some way or another, I was there. So I wanted like something that was quiet and warm and dry. And I wanted something that nobody was going to poop on me or pee on me or vomit on me or call me a bitch or like hit me. I was didn't. And I wanted to be regulated. Honestly, I wanted to go into a regulated profession. I wanted like a step up from where I was. And I really wanted to provide massage therapy to horses. Okay. I wanted to make a living treating horses, which is really difficult to do because it is not regulated like massage therapy for humans is. Um, and there's not a lot of programs out there. So I was brainstorming to think like, how can I provide like legitimacy as a, uh, like a horse massage therapist practitioner, um, compared to like what makes what would make me better than the person that just takes like a weekend course and calls himself a massage a horse massage therapist? I didn't want to be that person. I wanted to have like legitimacy. I wanted to have education and add on the horse part. And so, with all of those kind of pieces together, I was like, yeah, I need to like go to massage school. Like, let's just do this. And so, I did, and it was good. It was a good choice. So you knew right away that you were going to work with animals. Like you never really had yes. the intent to work on humans. You just wanted the education. Ideally, I wanted to make a living just working with horses, but that's really hard to do. I'm in Muskoka. We don't have, you know, it's it's not like King City where all the, the big money is. So I knew that was going to be a bit of a stretch. And if I was able to get 50-50 horses and humans, I think that, you know, would be um, a success. I don't foresee myself ever being able to do hundred percent humans or, um, horses in Muskoka. Um, and being an RMT, like there's so much stinking work, like that's just a no brainer, right? I just treat, treat people. I don't want to not treat people. I just would prefer to treat horses because Why they're horses? awesome. <laughs> because they're awesome. <laughs> they're awesome. Do they're you, awesome. do you have horses? Have you always owned horses? When did your, mm-hmm. when did your love of horses begin? Oh, well, I was probably really little and I didn't get to ride when I was a kid. Um, very much. My parents just weren't horsey themselves. So they didn't, they weren't really into it. So I r- rode very sporadically, but when I got a job as a paramedic, I had lots of money. So I got into horses then, like full-time, like I bought horses, we bought a farm, I started training and competing and doing all the things. Um, Then I had a really bad injury 
in 2003, like spent a couple of weeks at St. Mike's and rehabbed from that, went back into competing. And then, um, you know, my daughter got older and life just got a little bit more busy. So I stopped competing, but we still have the horses at home. We keep them at home. Now my daughter's 13 and is competing. So she wants to ride for Team Canada and she takes up all of the free time and money and is very, very, very competitive. And she's very, very, very good. She's, she's very good at it. So I, now I don't ride as much, um, but I'm in a barn every day of the week, except for not today. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, like I spend, I, I got my diploma with, uh, through Georgian college and got my license and stuff and took a course and just have done like a lot of self-study, a lot of like self case case studies for horses. I've worked with a few trainers that I've known, um, with barns in the area. Um, and I'm busy treating horses and it's super fun. What does massaging a horse look like what position is the horse in do they do they get excited to see you like are they anticipating what's happening I just I want to understand this because like horses in my opinion like I I'm not I don't know a lot about horses I used to ride a little bit when I was younger but like you was very sporadic my parents didn't give a shit about horses I just was kind of fascinated by them but I always felt like they were so intelligent. Like some animals, I won't say because I don't want to offend people, but there's some just animals I'm like, you just, you just seem just dumb. Like, 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 okay, like cats. Just, well, cats are just <laughs> evil in my opinion. Like, sorry, cat people. Cats are evil. The problem is they're missing the genius part. They're not, they're not super intelligent. They're not evil they're genius. Not, they're, not evil genius. Right. They, they're not dumb, dumb. There's certain dogs that I'm like, well, you're just a little dumb. <laughs> like horses just <laughs> seemed intelligent to me. They just seem like horses, smart, uh, yeah, they smart are. animals. So I can almost like picture you showing up and the horse is like excited, like Tracy's here. I'm getting my massage. What does it look like? <laughs> Why did you give the horse that voice? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh... I don't usually give them. I kind of sometimes they have dumb, dumb voices like, oh, Tracy's here. I'm going to go my massage today. <laughs> Some of them have dumb, dumb voices. <laughs> oh, it's so good. My horse has a dumb, dumb voice. He's very basic. He sells produce at the end of my driveway. He's a very simple fellow. <laughs> <laughs> he's and he's my horse and I love him. What's his name? <laughs> he goes by Big Willie or William if he's been bad. Or recently he's old now, so my husband started calling him Bill. I don't know how <laughs> this happens. <laughs> he calls him Bill. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Bill's very simple. He's a very simple guy. Um, so when I see a horse, honestly, when I see a horse for the first time, depending on it depends on the horse. So like if I've never seen them before and they're in a lot of pain, they are not very happy to see me. They're just don't want to be touched. They want to be left alone. Um, so it takes a lot, a lot of time to kind of convince them that I'm a good idea. They're usually standing in the cross ties. I mean, they're always standing. They're never laying down. <laughs> I say that like sometimes they lay down, but they don't. So they're always, they're, they're standing. Maybe the owner's holding them. Um, And I kind of like take like a history from the owner. They're going to tell me, you know, what's been going on. Like, why, what am I doing here? Um, And then I'll just like kind of, I'll watch them move. So we'll get them to walk and, and maybe trot. And I can get an idea of like what might be going on based on how they move. 
And so a gait assessment, like people um, also do like a posture assessment. So sometimes they'll stand funny based on, I don't know, depending on what's wrong with them. And then when I go to treat them, they're basically standing. I'm doing like a lot of palpation, a lot of like, it's like deep, it's deep tissue stuff. Um, I kind of, I get on a stool and kind of work above them if I can, if I'm working on their back or their butts. Um, I use my elbows a lot and it's just a lot of kind of, I've been using more like stretching techniques um, recently. I've been finding that a little bit more helpful for them. I do a lot of joint mobs, like same sort of stuff. You know, we were taught in school. Uh, trigger points on horses are the best, honest to God. They're the, they're so satisfying because they're huge, right? And you can see them. You can literally see the twitch response and you can see the twitch response leave. Like, so it's, it's super fun. I see a lot of trigger points in horses. Um, I use athletic taping on them, which is super fun. Um, so I'll sometimes tape them depending on like what we've done. Um, I also have a PEMF. I don't know if you guys are know what PEMF is pulsed electromagnetic therapy, mm-hmm. frequency therapy. Um, so I use that on them, which is like a super non-invasive, um, kind of therapy for them on the ones that are really reactive because they'll bite and kick. Right. So I don't really, not really interested in getting bit and kicked. Um, and I'll stretch them and then like, I'll give the owner like some remedial exercise. So it's like, honestly, the same kind of map that we do with humans. And do you see like instant results? Can you like show the owner, like, look, their, you know, their posture's yeah. different, their gait is different. Mm-hmm. Do you, like, so you can actually do a post-treatment assessment and, and see yeah. change. That's really awesome. Yeah, it is really awesome because like horses don't have the ego, right? So it's like, they are very black and white. It's either good or bad and they don't pretend they don't, you know, they don't try to tell you what you want to hear. It either is, or it isn't. You either got it right or you got it wrong. So that's, what's like really cool about horses is that you can you know show the owner like this is what it looked like before now look what it's look what it looks like now and if you continue doing these sorts of exercises we can like maintain this or whatever the case is so it's super satisfying because you can legit make a change before you leave like you can actually see it because they just are they're just present they're just like yay that feels good a lot of the times um, you can tap into their parasympathetic nervous system and they'll start yawning and chewing and blinking. Sometimes they'll drool. Um, and so you know that you've kind of like tapped into the, like you've suppressed their like flight response. And that's where you really want to be with them because they're like basically giving themselves to so you can do anything you want when you get them there, which is super cool. So like back to what your question was, Amanda, like, the, at the first time I see them, they're sometimes kind of like, what's she all about? But the ones that I've seen frequently, I just have to walk in and touch them and they'll start yawning like legit wow. instantly. They know which, which is super in. cool. Yeah. How long do you yeah. spend in, in sessions with, with horses? Is this just an appointment that lasts for however long you feel is appropriate? Is it a, is it based on time? Yeah. How does this rock and roll? No, it's just basically like however long I need to do what I have to do because horses are like working on toddlers or like small kids, right? So they are happy as long as they're happy, but when they've had enough, it's, it's time to go now. So like usually I can get an hour out of them. 45 minutes, I would say is 
Like if I can get 45 minutes out of them, I'm pretty happy. Sometimes I can only get a half an hour out of them. Um, I typically don't like to stay longer than an hour because I have to go on to the next person, the next horse. So um, an hour and a half will be stretching it, but usually I can get what I want between 45 minutes and an hour. They're pretty receptive in that kind of time frame. Have you ever been bitten or kicked? Oh yeah, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> One that bites me the most is is Bill. He's just an asshole and he bites me. Maybe he resents that he has to sell produce at the end of your driveway. (laughs) (laughs) Bill's like, I'm old. Let me, let me retire. (laughs) He's fully retired. He does not go without. Um, No, I've been bit and kicked while I'm being paid a handful of times. And honestly, there's been maybe two times where the horse has just been a legit, not very nice horse. Most of the other times it's because I've pushed them beyond where they're comfortable and I stopped paying attention for a minute and then they'll get you real fast. So, you know, if I'm working on a spot where, you know, where you're like, like with people and you're saying, you know, trigger point, like, let's keep it at a seven out of 10. Well, they can't tell you. Right. So I'm watching that hind leg. And if it starts to come up, then I know that that's probably about our threshold. But if I get talking or if I, you know, just lose my, you know, thought for a minute, they'll get you. And it's always, it's always my fault, honestly. It's just because I haven't been paying attention. So it doesn't happen very often, but it has happened. It's not a big deal. (laughs) So I've now, I've now met in the last few weeks, like two people who are equine therapists and work on horses. I used to treat somebody who worked on horses and dogs, are there oh, yeah. are there therapists who work on other animals or is it just horses and dogs? Um I don't work on dogs. Um I get I get a few times a year people reaching out to me asking me if I'll work on their dog and I'm just like no, I don't want to I don't want to sit on the floor and pet your chihuahua or your shitsu <laughs> cuz like that's what why do you have to pick two to of the worst dogs? <laughs> like again, no offense to people who own shitsus or chihuahuas but no, not for me. Yeah, it's just not, not for, for me. me. Um, and honestly, like, I love dogs, but I don't love all dogs. I do love all horses. I don't love all dogs. I love my dog because she's a perfect angel. I don't do dogs. How I feel about my children. I like I like my kids. I don't like anyone else's kids. Yeah. <laughs> they're perfect angels, right? Not even close, um, but they're wonderful people. <laughs> yeah. A friend of mine is a chiropractor and she runs a practice over in the stockyards actually um, and treats a lot of dogs. Like that's her practice is dog Cairo. And she's really, really good at it. Um, But she also treats horses and people, but she treats a lot of dogs, which I think is like super cool because she'll have dogs come in that are basically paralyzed and she will adjust them and they will walk out and it's like magic. Yeah. I'm just wondering, like, like like I said, I, yeah. And I've, I used to have a, a patient who did that. Um, like I said, the first place I worked at, there was this like doggy cafe on the same street and they had right. a doggy chiropractor that came yep. in. So like, I know treatments for dogs are common. I know treatments for horses are common, but I've never heard of any other, like, are those the only two animals that humans care enough about? Like Probably. do any other animals so. get yep. therapy? No, <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, if anybody out there knows, like, is there like a, like a chicken or duck therapy? <laughs> 
I feel like my friend in the stockyards has done a couple cats or maybe her business partner has done a couple. I wish cats. you could see Mark's face right now. Looking at me when I said chickens are dead. <laughs> She's like, what is wrong with you? Uh, we have been, uh, we chickens. have been working for so many hours. To, like both of us have done so many things that I feel like we're just loopy by this point. So um, yeah, I will apologize in advance if we're just not making any sense. We're just, we're just giggly and loopy at this point. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. But yeah, the whole the whole horse therapy thing, I think I'm understanding a little bit more now. Like when I used to hear this from, as I said, I had a patient who did this. I was like, what do you mean you massage horses? Like why? What? But it's, it's really interesting. Yeah. And horse people are crazy. First of all, I'm horse people. And they want the best for their animals. And what we ask of horses is a lot. I mean, honestly, like mm-hmm. we put them in stalls, we bring them out, we ride them, we do the things, we maybe take good care of them or the best of our knowledge, but maybe it's not what the horse needs. And so the people that I see just really love their animals and they are very in tune with their horses and want to make sure that they're not in pain and that they can keep, you know, doing their jobs or just living living like pain-free lives. I mean, like they're massive creatures that we ask them to do a lot of things that are not really natural for them. Um, and they happily do it. So honestly, like people are happy to spend the money and have people like myself come out and love on their horses. And everybody wants, everybody wants their horse to be like loved on and told that it's awesome. And have them feel better. You probably noticed, Tracy, I was like not texting or being rude. I was trying to remember the term. When I was in university, I took a um, an ergonomics class. I have a degree in kinesiology. So I took an ergonomics class and I, we had to do a project and it was a group project and we had to choose any occupation and take like a task that they, do, if I'm remembering it correctly, it was like we had to take a task that they do regularly and figure out ways to make this easier on their body. So we had to like apply ergonomics to make their job easier. So anyway, I ended up partnering with this girl, Jessica, that I didn't really know. And she was like a crazy horse person. And she's like, okay, we're going to do farrier. And I'm like, pardon me. Like everyone, I was like, what, what are you, what? I'm still like that right now. Yeah. Like, what, so what these about? are the people that like make, like put the shoes on the horses. Okay. I, I don't know. Like I've, I'm really forgetting. It was so long ago, but I felt like. Let's ask the expert. Oh, you're like, right. Yeah. They like put shoes on horses. So they, they right. change the yeah. horse's shoes. It's like a blacksmith yeah. for horses. I don't know. So, yeah. um, Yeah. That was what she wanted to do. And I was like, oh, oh, okay, I guess we'll do that. So I knew nothing about this. So she had to teach me about what the farriers do and how they come in and how they have to, because I guess it's a really challenging job. So we came up with this whole thing where we had this like, like trailer almost. So like it would bring the horses up and elevate them so that they, I don't know. Anyway, oh. we came up with this whole fancy yeah, it's like thing. A, like an auto lift for horses? Essentially. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. yeah. So we brought the horses up a little bit to make the farrier's job easier. That was our project. I've right. never met a farrier that can stand up straight, honest to God. No, that's not true. I met one farrier that stood up straight. And when I met her, I said, holy shit, you stand up straight. And she said, thank you. 
<laughs> yeah, apparently it's a really hard job. All yeah. day. That sounds like you either make a lot of money doing that or no money doing that. Which one is it? They make a lot of money doing yeah, it. I would have thought go. that. I think so. Yeah. I think they do. Um, I, the farriers I've met are, I think they do very well. I mean, if you're a shitty farrier, you are not making a lot of money doing it because you're crippling horses and no one wants you at their barn. The whole process, by the way, of putting shoes on horses, I didn't realize how um, aggressive if that's a good, how aggressive it is. What, like, what do you mean? it just you didn't realize. I guess I didn't ever really think about it. Like it. I'm like, where are you guys like hammering these shoes? Like it's, it's actually kind of terrifying. Uh, Tracy can talk about it. Time out. Most of these things are fucking barbaric. Just go to the dentist. It's fucking barbaric. The dentist alone is barbaric. You know, it is super barbaric. I took um, a doula training course and part of the training we had to, we have to learn about all different types of birth. So we watched all different types of birth, including C-sections. Have you ever watched a cesarean section like not even an emergency <laughs> yeah. one like they literally like cool. fucking rip this baby out of yeah, the woman i was like what are you yeah. doing why are you doing that <laughs> <laughs> it's barbaric yeah. man a nose job <sighs> oh yeah no exactly i would never yeah. never never i mean i'm saying this now you're never supposed to say it's, never it's, but it's never so, plastic so weird surgery. To me. never william <laughs> shatner went to space but yet I'm, i've got a chisel in your nose and i'm banging it with a hammer it just <laughs> It all feels really strange to me. Do you know what I mean? William Shatner went to space, yet I'm shitting in a bowl of water and I'm flushing it down into some pipes. Like, I feel like technology is, is gone really far in certain areas and just really lagging other places. Anyway, so yeah, I mean, you could have a whole business, Tracy, treating like horses and farriers. Yeah, I try to treat the farriers that come to my house, but the one is too sore. He'll probably bite me. And the other one, I'm working on her to get her to let me treat her. But yeah, they're very sore, very crippled folks. Oh, man. I could not do that work. No, I guess that was a good... Mm. Pro- it, it was like... I was a really good student, so it's not like this group project, even though Jessica, my partner, was like the expert in this. Like, I wanted to be really, really involved, but the entire time I was like, I couldn't quite understand... Because I didn't, I didn't really know what this job was. Honestly, so I was like, that's, okay. That sounds like the perfect school project for me. I don't know anything about this. You love it. Let me just fucking do nothing, and you right? do all the work. Like that seems like a, that yeah. seems like the best project in no, the world. No, it actually turned so str- because I've never done a group project where I wasn't the one that took on everything. So I was like, I don't, oh. I don't understand this feeling. Like you're the expert, and I not. Like it was, it was she stressful was for me. It was very uncomfortable yeah. for me. We got a great mark, but. <laughs> I can't even say that any of that was because of me. She taught me everything. So thanks, Jessica. <laughs> Don't remember your last name. Haven't yeah. spoken to you since university. <laughs> yeah. Because like horse people are crazy. They just want to do. Yeah. Like she was like, that was probably something that she thinks about on the daily. Yeah. And then when that group project came up, she was finally, finally, I can do something. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> It was just so funny because it was like the first suggestion, you know, like we sat down for our first group meeting. It was like, okay, what occupation are we going to choose? She's like, I think we should do farrier. I'm like, I don't even know what the fuck that is. Right? She thinks about it a lot. Yeah. She most definitely does. I wonder if she's still really into horses. Probably. I should look that girl up. Yeah, you should. Maybe she's like got a patent for some weird farrier contraption that's could to i be rich because i helped i helped create I that jesus maybe jesus i should have <laughs> in contact with her 
Mark's just shaking his Maybe. head. Maybe. You're going to see on Drake. <laughs> Dragon's Den score deal. Yes. <laughs> Wait like, a second. I was part of that project. I love that show. So, Tracy, what does your practice look like today? Like, obviously, we know it's not only horses, as you said. So, like, how do you split up your days? Like, do you treat both humans and animals in one day? Yeah. Do you have some and animal And is there days, a shower between, if that's the case? Because <laughs> I imagine I there would have that. to be. No, I, I work three days a week in my clinic space treating humans and um the other days a week I treat the horses so I don't very infrequently will I treat a horse and then come to work but it has happened and I I hate doing that but sometimes it happens sometimes I'll leave work and and go treat a horse but I don't like intermix them because there's often like a lot of travel that's involved so it's just not really conducive to running back and forth but it has happened a few times Uh, I try to book them on a day that's just for horses. So then I can just be in my barn clothes and be gross and just be smelly for the whole day and not have to worry about people judging me for my smell. How busy, how busy is your horse practice? (laughs) Like, will you treat Um, multiple horses a day or is it like one or two in a horse day? Um, the, like last week was the busiest week I've had. Um, but right now I don't advertise either. Um, I probably could, but I've decided to just let it be word of mouth. So I'm seeing probably a handful of horses a week. Um, in the summertime, I'll see more, you know, I'll, I'll show up at a barn to see one horse and I'll end up seeing three or whatever. So it's, and I've, you know, I've been doing it for, this is going on my second year of doing horses. So now I've just kind of, um, gotten, you know, the clientele that are valuing, you know, the service. And so they, you know, they book me on a regular basis every six weeks or so to see their horses. And since I've purchased the PEMF, then I, you know, I've become a little busier. And so right now it's a good balance, honestly, because I still want to enjoy treating horses. Um, I think too much of it, like anything, you just get tired of it, right? What used to be fun isn't fun anymore. So I've been very careful to keep it like a good balance, which mm-hmm. is like great getting into this as like a grown up, then I can be okay with having the balance and saying no or making people wait. I'm like, it, it's good. It's a good balance for right now. So yeah, I'm really busy. Is there like an association or some sort of, is there associations for, for therapists that work with horses? Um, There is in the States. There, there was one that I was considering becoming a part of because I could get, um, cheaper liability insurance. Um, but they wanted me to like write an exam and it was like a whole like thing, which I was just like, no, and I didn't need to be part of any association. So I just, I just don't, um, I could, I don't really, I haven't really figured out what the benefits would be. So I just, just don't just do my thing. And the education, I only know of, I've only heard of like two places in Canada. In my like, and this, but I don't know anything about it, right? So, for example, I, there used to be a, a college in London. I don't know if they still operate anymore. Um, yeah, Darcy Lane. Yeah, Darcy Lane used to. Uh, Darcy Lane's not a thing anymore, is it? No, they change names. I I think they're still doing a program. It's just under a different name. Okay. Um, that program is really good. The the equine therapists that come out of that program are are a, a kind of a level above, like they're really good, but, um, still it's still, you gotta like get the buy-in from the people, right? Like you still have to, 
get people to want to have your horse treated. Like they are learning the same shit that we learn in, in RMT school, but on horses, like it's a pretty intensive course. Um, but I don't, you don't have to take it. Like you don't have to have a course to practice. Yeah, because I've only heard of Darcy Lane, and I think there's another place out in Alberta that I heard of, but I, I, I don't know enough about it to. Yeah, to there is one the in Alberta, um, but honestly, like, there's people that do horse massage, and then they develop a weekend course or whatever, and, and they teach people. That's the course I took a weekend course by a woman by the name of Jody Pendry, and she had been doing it forever, and I think I took one of her last courses. Um, but honestly, like the most of the stuff that I use in my horse practice is stuff that I've adapted from my people practice. Mm. Honestly, like it's the same. This is going to sound like a really stupid question. Anatomically on a horse, where do you spend the most of the time? Like where do you normally treat horses? Um, I would say like their SI region, honestly, like their lumbar um, and kind of like upper glute region is a real weak spot on horses, especially horses that jump. Right. Um a lot of horses have like sacral iliac dysfunctions. Um, if we've got like a horse that's maybe had a like poor fitting saddle in the past, then they're back. I'm going to spend a lot of time there. Um, some horses will have like um, just really bad flexion in their necks. So I'll spend time on the neck. So it all kind of like depends on the horse. I typically don't spend a lot of time on their legs. Their legs don't have a lot of muscle in them hmm. unless we're dealing with like a tendon rehab thing if they've had a tendon injury or something um but i would say like mostly like neck back and butt when you say that you would you would often for example have discussions with the owner to discuss remedial and therapeutic exercise like what does that look like i, I when you mention that i'm like I'm so that's like training it. right okay. so it's like um how the horse is being ridden or exercises for the horse to like strengthen its you know, if, if we need to strengthen a region, I will give them some ideas of how like exercises to do while they're riding or like in-hand exercises or lunging, which is like putting them on a big long rope and getting them to run around you. Um, so just like (laughs) you can put a horse on a long rope and it will run around you, which is like super cool. That sounds really fucking cool. (laughs) (laughs) It's called lunging. Um, so I will put together like a kind of an exercise plan for them or, you know, things to think about when they're riding or training, um, just kind of give them ideas on like how to, uh, maybe stretch a region, how to maybe activate a region. And that type of stuff is that stuff that you pick up from more experience working with horses and, and, and having horses and riding horses and being around horses, or is that something that you pick up from education, like formal education and a course and that kind of stuff? Um, a bit of both. I would say like most of the stuff that I tell, um, my riders or horse owners to do is experience stuff that I have done personally myself and stuff that, um, I know that other trainers have done, and stuff that I know that has um, like a little bit of evidence behind it. Cause it's hard to find like a lot of evidence in like horse land. Um, but I try, like there's a bunch of Facebook groups I, I belong to. And there's some, some people, some smart people in there, some really not smart people in there, but I try to get like, you know, ideas and I try to have like some bit of, 
theory and education with it and not just all experience. Um, However, at the end of the day, it is just a lot of experience, just being around horses, knowing how they move, knowing what will make them stronger and weaker and things that work for other people. I assume most owners are super happy with the end results. Have you ever had someone's like, what are you fucking doing here? My horse performs poorly compared to before you showed up, like now compared to after. Um, I've had a couple instances where the horse has been a little sore the next day, but um, I always kind of give them a heads up. I try to give them a heads up like this could happen. If this is the first time I'm training the horse, they could actually feel shittier the next day because it takes them time for their bodies to kind of understand that it doesn't hurt anymore. So they'll still continue to move in a pain pattern until like for a little bit longer. Um, if it's like a, something that's been bothering them for a long time. Um, but mostly people are pretty understanding. Like they'll reach out to me. They'll be like, Oh my God, he was like really worse. Like he was really lame yesterday. And I'll just kind of like reassure them and they're okay with it. Like nobody's like, I want my money back. You ruined my horse. Um, but I think that's probably because I kind of like walk into the barn and kind of feel, give them a reassurance that I know what I'm doing. (laughs) Even if I don't. Got to be confident. You got to be confident. <laughs> Is it more expensive than a human appointment? Like, do you charge more to treat a horse than a human? I'd imagine yes. Um, I charge about the same. Yeah. So it's a hundred bucks to have a horse treated, and for sixty minutes in my office, it's ninety five. Um, I should probably charge more, but I just haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> Wherever you're comfortable. Yeah, and you know, I want to make it. I want people, if I don't have to travel a far way, I think a hundred bucks is pretty, is good. Um, if I have to travel up to, you know, whereverville to go see your horse and yeah, you're going to have to pay a little bit more, but I want people to be able to like get the therapy that their horse needs. And, and I want to be able to come and see them when they need to be seen. And so I try to keep it like pretty reasonable. Of course, people are okay around a hundred bucks, you know, <laughs> At the end, it's it's always whatever you're comfortable doing. You know, it's uh, we get that all the time too. Like, oh, you should charge. There's there's a couple of therapists that pop out to mind that are always like, oh, well, you should charge as much as you can all the time. Blah blah blah. It's always about the money. Sometimes it's, it's not always about the money. Sometimes it's not. Yeah, I'm like, I feel like I don't know. A lot of people tell me I uh, I need to put my rates up, and I'm just like, I just I don't feel comfortable with that yet. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe in the future with more education, right. more stuff in my toolbox. Maybe. I don't know. Right now. No. You'll know when you want to. I'm good with the hundred bucks. Yeah. yeah. You'll know when you want to. <laughs> when you don't want to go massage a horse for a hundred dollars, then you'll put your, you'll put your rates you up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like I suddenly understand this so much more. Like I can see what an appointment would look like. It makes a lot more sense. So thank you, Tracy. You've been quite entertaining tonight. You need to write a book. Yes, you should write a no, book. No, you should do a TV show. You should actually do a TV show. You should you should write a sitcom. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, yeah. Like, I don't know. My one friend, she always says, like, you need to write this shit down. And I always say that I'm going to, but I don't. Because I could have had a book of funny encounters of people not at their best. That's what I would call it funny encounters with people not at their best. You, you can even, and if you don't want to write this stuff, you can probably turn this into a a solo act 
like yeah. a stand-up solo <laughs> act, not necessarily a stand-up comedy show, but like a story. One-woman show. A one-woman storytelling show. And I think, I honestly think that can go really well for you. So we would have to deal with a lot of crazy people, okay? Like mental health crisis. And we had, we had acronyms for those folks as well. So there was two. One was CCB, which was Cuckoo Bananas. And one was, <laughs> one was, the other one was BSC, which is batshit crazy. So my partner would always say to me, well, do you think this is a BSC case or a CCB case? I, I said, well, this is definitely a CCB case. Like, look at her. She's fucking bananas. <laughs> right? C- CCB, by the way, is now what I'm going to forever call our four-year-old daughter. She is, she is exactly CCB. <laughs> I mean, it's a thing. Yeah, or BSC. Yeah. (laughs) See, the BSCs were the batshit crazies. Those were for the really mean ones. Yeah. The cuckoo bananas were for like the kind of like funny, the funny crazies. But the BSCs were for the ones that you would be like, ooh, this one. Oh no, they're they're very self-explanatory to me. CCB (laughs) and B. I get it. Like, I know the difference between cuckoo bananas and batshit crazy. I'm 100% with you right now. Right on. That's so awesome. I can't wait to read your book, Yeah, I prefer to keep both of those out of my practice. Try to keep the crazy out. I I have many years of crazy. I'm I'm all crazied out. Yeah, stick with horses. They're much more chill. And you better better go check on Bill. I think he's pissed off at you. (laughs) He probably is, honestly. Like, I am not there feeding them. I think my daughter was supposed to feed him and let him in, but he... He's going to be mad. You know what he does when he's mad is he shits in his water bit dish, like his water bucket. He is, shits isn't in that it. only like hurting himself? <laughs> like, why do you do this? Or he'll shit in his like food bowl on the floor. He'll shit in it if he's mad. And I'm like, what? Why? I mean, he knows that it pisses me off because now I have to clean yeah, it. To but clean it. yeah, I, it's like I don't take that. Really lady. understand. Yeah, he shits in his water bucket. Can you imagine shitting in your water? Nope. Nope. Oh, no. No. Nope. No. It's just my horse, Bill. Oh, <laughs> Bill. <Special>. Big Willie. <laughs> Big Willie. Oh, yeah. man. No, so he's awesome. a superstar. He'll well, live his life out in my at my barn, and he'll shit in his water bucket until the day he dies, and I will let him, and I will clean it. Because you love him. Uh, before we, I do love Before him. we go, Tracy, I mean, if you want to, you don't have to. I know you say you don't do a lot of advertising. Do you want to give out contact information? Do you want to give it, like, I don't know if you have social platforms or whatever. You don't have to. Yeah, I'm on Instagram um, under Red Horse Therapies. I have a Facebook page. It's called Red Horse Therapies. <laughs> And I post a lot of stuff on there for horse owners, like ideas about whatever sciencey stuff that comes across my page, stuff that I think horse people might like, uh, mostly in regards to their, you know, keeping their bodies moving well. And sometimes I post funny stuff, post a lot of pictures of my kid riding. And sometimes I post pictures of Bill. And I think I may have posted a picture of Bill shitting in his water bucket last winter, but I don't remember. <laughs> you know that after we get off this call, I'm going to go look for go it, right? For, yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I think the cover photo for this episode should be Bill. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Maybe I'll not, maybe not Bill. Bill shitting in his water, but Bill. <laughs> 
He's so special. Oh, I love it. <laughs> he will live his days out in my yard and my husband will have to eventually dig a hole big enough to put him in it. But in the meantime, he just does his thing. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Tracy. This has been a lot yeah, of Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for hanging out. This was fun. You guys have been listening to Two Massage Therapists and a Microphone. Peace.